Good morning, everybody. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 1, that's as far as we'll get. A new book is always exciting to get into. Um, while you're turning there, just a few announcements. We're not sure when we'll all be back together in this room. We're keeping an eye on things. I know the, the lift is intended on May 3rd, but it looks like it's progressive. And uh, that social gatherings, which they consider church a social gathering, they do, I don't, um, will be in phase three. I see us falling under number 12, which is education, Bible study, right? So um, we'll see what we do or where we'll go, uh, but not until May for sure. This week in the email, we're going to send you some pictures of some of the things that have been going on in the building. Um, there's some advantages to everybody being gone for a couple weeks at a time. We can get into some deeper projects that don't have to be cleaned up before Wednesday or Sunday. Um, so we'll take some pictures of those things so you can see what's happening. Our overhead has dropped a little bit in the sense of electricity and, and things like that. So we're able to put those funds. And thanks again for all of your support for this ministry. Um, even though you're not here, uh, that money is being used and saved and stored up and so on uh, to for God's kingdom. So it's working. And um, I just really, we really appreciate that. Um, that being said, we're going to show you pictures of some of the things we've been able to do with those funds as far as uh, just little projects and, and some of the things we plan to do uh, here in the future before we all get back in the building again. So um, that'll be in this week's email. If you're not a part of our, on our email, go to our website, ccmaryville.com. Um, and you can just fill out the form there. It's in forms. It's in, uh, what's it under Aaron? Is it a prayer request? main page right there. Just put your name in there, your email, and you'll be added and you'll start receiving these emails. So um, anyway, that's that's always a blessing. And, and it also has prayer requests and things like that. Um, you can't see it, but the tank is still here for baptisms. I haven't drained it yet. I was going to today. I'm thinking about it. Um, if there are some of you that don't want to wait for our first Mazingo baptism um, and, would, and would prefer to do it sooner rather than later, please contact me. You can even leave a message on the comments there. It's better that you email me or text me directly so that I don't miss it in all the scrolling comments. Um, uh, and we'd be glad to baptize you. We only want to do one person at a time or one day, you know, or, or at a time so that everybody's gone because you'll want family there. And, and, and some of us need to be here also. And, and so we don't want to exceed that 10 number. Um, but let us know. We'd be glad to baptize you. Uh, we don't want anything to get in the way of what you want to do uh, with your relationship with God. So we'll be glad to do that for you. All right. First, or second Kings chapter one. We, we switch kind we don't really switch gears. We are marching our way through the scriptures, getting to where uh, Israel is taken captive and they go into Babylonian captivity. Um, and it's an unfortunate thing to see, but we're watching the decline already of this civilization that has been chosen by God to worship him, to be his people. And they have chosen him to be their God, but now they are intermingling other gods with their first love, uh, which is one of the main things that is spoken of in the letters uh, in the church of Revelation or the, in the book of Revelation to the churches is you've left your first love. Um, when it comes to God, God doesn't want to share his affections that he's receiving from you with anybody. Um, none of us want that. We want uh, monogamy. We want a single relationship with one person and we want them to love us as much as we love them, which is uh, which is reasonable, you know, um, and God wants that from us. And so when he talks uh, uh, and shows us these things in second Kings about these other gods being brought in, you can see that it upsets him. 
Um, and that's why we read these things from cover to cover. We want to read from Genesis to Revelation so we can get a clear understanding of the love of our life, God. Um, Jesus, who so loved the world, you know, that he came to die for us on the, for our sins. We, we want to know who this is and what's pleasing to him and what's not. And this is one of those chapters and this is one of those books that shows us, here's what happens when they're walking with God. Here's what happens when they're not walking with God. And it's, he, he wants that close fellowship. Okay. So uh, verse one of chapter one, Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Now, Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. So he's going to go talk to this Baalzebub, which is another god of Ekron. I don't mean to go over it again, but it, it means Lord of the Flies. So um, th- that's who they worship. That's who this... Uh, Baal is. He's the one who's the Lord of the flies. It's amazing. Once people reject the true and living God, what they'll truly worship. They're, they're worshiping flies. I swat those personally. I, I shoo them away. They're food for frogs as far as I'm concerned, but by no means a deity over me, nor is anybody in charge of those flies a deity over me. I, I refuse and reject that completely. And yet once you reject the truth, You'll believe anything. People will believe any kind of lie. It's amazing what they'll follow. And so he's going to ask this God of Ekron, am I going to survive this thing? Um, and so God doesn't like that. You're going to go talk to another God. You're supposed to be on my my team here. Um, you're supposed to be my people. So he, he intervenes. Um, sometimes God will do that. He steps right in here. And he says, uh, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite. So remember, Elijah had anointed Elisha already. Elisha is alongside of him, kind of learning the ropes. What's it mean to be the lead uh, prophet here? Um, but Elijah is still speaking. He's not been taken up. He gets taken up next week uh, into heaven, uh, never sees death um, yet. Um, and so then that's when Elisha takes over for him. But until then, it's Elijah. So God uh, speaks to uh, Elijah the Tishbite, arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, it is because there is no God, uh, or sorry, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is his name. Um, thus says the living God, the true God, the one God, the only God. You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. Now, these messengers were intending to go, you know, sacrifice and wait and hear from the priests what Ekron would say to them to tell the king and so on. Um, But they get, uh, well, they get intercepted by the true and living God. And he says, no, you're not going to go talk to him. I'm telling you what's going to happen. And we, we spoke about that last Wednesday a little bit about how prophecy tells us. Uh, that when we have that true word from God before it happens, that lets us know that he has all authority. He has all knowledge, all wisdom. And that's why Christianity is so solid and strong is because we're the only religion with prophecy. It's 100% accurate. It shows us that the God we're worshiping is the true and living God, the one who knows all. And so he's trying to do that for him. You're going to go ask Ekron, but Ekron doesn't know. Ekron's going to tell you what you want to hear. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth. And some people don't like that. Uh, Some people just don't want to know the truth. I want you to lie to me. 
uh, when, when, when I get done, uh, getting my haircut or something, I, I want people to, when I come home to say, Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a wonderful haircut. You look wonderful. That's a great hair. It's the same haircut I've had for 50 years, you know, since I was born, I've had the same haircut, but I still want people to tell me how great it looks. You know, I don't want them to look to me and have that funny look. I want them to lie to me if you have to kind of thing. And that's the same thing. Am I going to die? Do you really want to know if you're going to die? Because if you really want to know, the true and living God will tell you. If you want to be encouraged while you die and be lied to, then Ekron will tell you. That's what Satan does. Satan is the father of lies. He will tell us in our sin, as we reap the benefits of our sin, as we see our life in decline and decay, he will tell us we're fine. He will tell us it's everybody else's fault. He'll tell us that it's not you, it's them, even though nobody likes you. Uh, that means everybody's wrong and you're the only one that's right and so on. He'll lie to us and make us think that uh, we're okay when actually there's some probably some deep soul searching we need to do. That's why, like David, we want to ask God, search me and know me. I want the true and living God to search me and know me. I want you to tell me what you really see in me. I want to know my blind spots. I want to know the places uh, that need to be worked on and fixed. Do they need to turn over to you? I want to know. And so you only get that from the true and living God. So God steps in to show his authority, to show his omnipotence, his omniscience, and lets him know ahead of time, you're not going to survive this. Verse 5, and when the messengers returned to him, he said to them, why have you come back? In other words, it's too fast. You should have taken more time with sacrifices. Man, we didn't even get outside the door. And here's Elijah standing there, some guy with a lot of hair and a, and a leather belt standing there staring at us. And he told us what we needed to say to you. So we came back and told you what he said. And he's like, you guys are back too soon. Why have you come back? And so they said to him, a man came up to meet us and said to us, go return to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. I like these guys in the sense that they're only saying exactly what they heard from the prophet. I mean, if you look at that end of verse six and you're looking in your Bibles right now, if you are, um, look how many quotation marks there are. This is what God told Elijah and Elijah told these guys and these guys are telling the king, but the word doesn't change. I think that's very important. It's very important that we Tell people what God's word says exactly um, and not add to it or take away from it, but to leave it. The book of Revelation warns us that of that in the last chapter, do not take away from the prophecies of this book, nor do you need, you can, you cannot add to the prophecies of the book. Otherwise I will remove or take away from you everlasting life, or I will uh, let these things happen to you. In other words, you're going to go through the great tribulation. And, and so God is very protective of his word and these guys protect it. I like that. It's a good thing. Verse 7. Then he said to them, What kind of man was it who came up to meet you and told you these words? Describe this guy to me. So they answered and said, A hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. He said, It's Elijah the Tishbite. I mean, he must have been really hairy. I mean, for them to look at this guy and say, Well, he's hairy and he's got a leather belt. Well, that should describe about, I don't know, 80% of the people at the time. But the way they said it and described him, the first thing we noticed was so Elijah is a super hairy guy. Okay. Super hairy. Um, we know that Elisha is not. We're going to see that uh, next week. But anyway. Um, 
So he describes him. Oh, it's Elijah the Tishbite. He never gives me good prophecies. He never tells me what I want to hear. He's always telling me this, that, or the other thing. So he's upset. He doesn't like the news. Um, He wants to kill the messenger is the idea. So he says in verse 9, Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he went up to him, and there he was sitting on the top of a hill, and he spoke with him, this captain of the 50. Man of God, the king has said, come down. There's an exclamation point. So he's ordering Elijah to come with him and to come down to the king. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. Then he sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50 men. Okay. You can see where this is going, obviously. Um, it's interesting. Jesus says something similar, uh, in, and, I'm, and I'm trying to pull it up right now because I didn't write it in my notes, but it comes to me as we're going through this. If what you say about me is true, right, then, then you need to act like it. Um, if I am a man of God, then why are you talking to me like I'm not a man of God is the idea. Uh, if I am a man of God, then I guess I'm going to have fire come out from heaven and, and, and incinerate all of you. And, and it did. And so the king hears about this and sends another 50 out there. Now, you would think he changes tactic, but he doesn't. Um, he says this to him, sending him another 50. And he answered, and it says, so Elijah answered and said, if I am a man of God, let fire come down and, and, and consume you. Um, and he does. So he answered and said, the man of God, thus has the king said, come down quickly, he says at the end of verse 11. So the king says, tell him to hurry up. Like that was the problem. You know, that's the only addition to the message we get. The king has said, I want you to hurry up and come down to him. That's not going to help things at all. So Elijah answered and said to them, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his, and his 50. Okay. Uh, in Revelation chapter 11, verses one through two, we are uh, describing here the two witnesses. Uh, there, during the Great Tribulation, two witnesses are going to come down, and they're going to preach the gospel, basically, street witnessing, two of them. And anybody that comes and tries to take them out or to stop them from preaching, uh, fire comes out of their mouth. And, and, and so this is the scripture. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. This is John writing this. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there, but leave out the court, which is outside the temple and do not measure it for it has been given to the Gentiles and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. That's these two. We believe one of them is Elijah. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut, uh, shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. So, a huge uh, power, a lot of power for them to use at their disposal. Um, and, and God is doing that for his prophets um, in the last days. He's going to do that. And he's doing it here in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and as I read this, 
I get to thinking the way people talk to these men of God, it's a it's a wonder any of us are, are alive, first of all. Um, the way maybe in the olden days before we were saved, the way we used to speak of the religious people, the Christians, the prophets of our world, um, that they didn't just burn us up with fire. You know, uh, there, there's there's a lot going on here in, in the sense that um, it's only by the grace of God that we're able to still breathe because of the blasphemy we've all said in the past, basically. But because of God's grace, because we're in the New Testament, we don't have that happen anymore. Um, there is no fire coming down from heaven, annihilating people. And we mistake that oftentimes got the lack of God's fire coming down as his approval. When actually it's only by grace that we live. Cause if there was no grace, we'd all be incinerated. And, uh, that's my second scripture is Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. These are two of the apostles here, uh, disciples at the time, uh, James and John. They were known as sons of thunder. Okay, and here's what it says. Uh, verse 13 through 19 of Mark chapter 3. And he went up on the mountain, Jesus, and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power Uh, to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Simon, um, who we gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, uh, his brother, the brother James, brother of James, to whom he gave the names, uh, that is, sons of thunder, he called them. He called them sons of thunder, these two, James and John. Here's why. If you turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through uh, 66, or 56, excuse me, it says this, about these two, James and John have had that power now, right? Healing sick, casting out demons. Um, and so they've got a little taste of what it's like to be an Elijah kind of thing. And that's what they're thinking. Here's what he here's what they say to Jesus. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven to consume them just as Elijah did? Because they could feel that surging through them. Yeah, we could do that, couldn't we? And he turned to them and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now, there's a balance here. Uh, we could teach this one of two ways. The first way is, see, it's all about grace and loving each other. And just, we don't want fire and wrath and all these things. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying that was the time and will be the time. Make no mistake about that. Yes, that was in the Old Testament before Christ. He did call down fire. And yes, that will help happen again during the great tribulation and God's fiery judgment will come. But for now, right now, you don't understand the season we're in. We're in a season of grace. We're in a season where we're not here to destroy, but we're here to save. It's a different mission. Okay. I say that because as much as I love the grace and I love the love and I love the uh, God overlooking my sin and all, please, let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that he approves of any of it. And if it weren't for Jesus Christ, none of us would be here. 
It's very important to understand that. God's wrath is being poured out in 2 Kings chapter 1. God's wrath will be poured out in Revelation, the book. We know that for, for a fact. He's told us that. So just because he's not doing it now for those same reasons he did then doesn't mean it's okay. It means I need to take that grace and the fact that I'm not charcoal right now and apply this to my life and change my behavior. It's not okay. He's not happy with my sin. He's not happy with my condition and the way I'm walking, the way I'm talking. He, he wants me to be holy for he's holy. And so we see that here in verse 13. Again, he sent a third captain of the, of the 50 with his 50 men. Now, my guess is they had the same message, but I think this captain is like, you know what? I'm not interested in being barbecued today. So he does some things here. And the third captain of 50 went up and he came and fell on his knees before Elijah. Wisdom, wisdom. And pleaded with him and said to him, man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. So all 50 of these guys, so 51 total, are on their knees before this man of God saying, please, please, please. We are just the messengers. The king wants you to come down. We don't want to die today. Please see us as the men that we are you know, smart. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of fifties with their fifties, but let my life now be precious in your sight. Now, Elijah doesn't answer. The angel of God does. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. Then he said to him, thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, is it because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. This is really the first time he says it plainly. It's because you're not going to rise up from your bed because you're consulting tarot cards. You're consulting the Ouija board. You're looking at your horoscope. You're trying to figure out if the planets are in line. You know, I don't know if we consider that as Christians. All these things that we think are small. How long has the horoscope been in every newspaper? It's occult. We're not to be doing that. We're not to be following that. We're not to putting putting any faith or stock in these things. We're not to have Ouija boards. We're not to have tarot cards. Guys, we're, we're not to be putting ourselves in specific poses in order to become one with ourselves so that I can say namaste to you. We're not called to that. That's another God. That's the God of Ekron. Do you not have a Bible, he would say to us today? Do you not have a God who says he's near to you, that he will speak to you, that his Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth? Don't you have that God? Have I not made that clear to us? He has. And so it's up to me to trust in that, to put my faith in that, and not all this other guru stuff. That's not for us. That's for the lost. That's for those that want to worship the Lord of the flies or that aren't being satisfied with what God has for them. We need to be satisfied with what God has provided for us. James warns us about that. I mean, it's such a great book. James is just a good brother to have around, although you probably don't want him around because he's so honest most of the time. But he talks about that double-minded man, someone who's uh, living carnally as a Christian. He says this in chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's exactly what's happening here. You are the king of part of Israel, God says to him through the prophet Elijah. And you know that I'm here, and you know that there's a temple, and you know that there are priests, and you know how to go about this, and yet you're still calling on Ekron? The uh, Beelzebub, the, the, the Lord of Ekron, you're, the Lord of the Flies, the, the God of Ekron, you're still calling on these? Why? Am I not enough? And so because you're still doing that, no, you're not going to rise up from your bed. I'm going to tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not, but no, you're not going to rise up. James warns us, and so does Paul in Romans, that to be a double-minded man as a Christian is simply that. Yeah, I like God, but I, I always hedge my bets. I, I'm putting my faith and my stock in that, but there can't do any harm to, you know, venture off over here. You know, I know that God says that he can give me perfect peace, but there's nothing wrong with getting into some strange poses and maybe God will give me mental peace that way. God doesn't say that there is no physical shape. We need to be in to have peace with God, to have health. It's through the Lord. He provides all of that for us. When we venture off into these little things, these tangents, these we hedge our bets, we're not so sure the scripture's complete without them, or we don't we think we can add to it, we're following the same pattern as the nation of Israel, who gave their all in all to God and received him as their God, and then incrementally allowed these other gods to creep into their lives to supplement their spiritual relationship with Mother Earth. I can't believe how many posts I've seen where it says Mother Earth is certainly throwing a fit today, but uh, God is good. No, there is no Mother Earth. Earth is not our mother, never has been, never will be. Earth is a terrarium created by the God you mentioned at the end of that post. We don't give it, creation, any of our attention except to appreciate the artistry of the God who created them. That's as far as we go with it. But we by no means bow down to it, succumb to it, allow it to rule over us. So dangerous. And yet, isn't it interesting how it creeps into our vocabulary even? We don't even think about it when we say it. Boy, Mother Nature's throwing a fit. Um, No, it's not. Um, God is, like we just read here, counted all joy when you've been brought into various trials. We're all going through a little bit of a trial here. Some of us more than others. But there's a purpose for the trial. We're to give thanks in it. And we're to learn patience through it. Are you being a patient Christian in this trial? Because he wants us to let patience have its perfect work. There is a fruit from patience. It, it, it builds on itself. First the trial. Then there's patience waiting on God. And when I'm patient, that means I wait all the way until God answers or does what he wants to do. It has its perfect work. It's fulfilled the purposes that God had intended for it in my life. It's a wonderful thing if I let it. And if you need wisdom, ask of God. He's going to give it to you. But don't be double-minded. Don't hedge your bets when it comes to the Lord. He doesn't share with anybody. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. You want to be carnal, then guess what? You're in the Old Testament here where fire comes down and consumes those that aren't holy. You want to be spiritual? You want to walk in the Spirit? You want to be, just like last week with Easter, resurrected with Christ? It's no longer I that live, but him that he that lives within me? Then we need to be spiritually minded and set those carnal things aside. We can't hedge our bets between the world and being worldly and so on and, and being spiritual. Finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, he corrects this spirit-filled church as being carnal. Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. In other words, they're believers, but they're just like babies. They're acting like carnal babies. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I circled that in my Bible. God expects me as a born-again believer to not act like mere men. I'm not supposed to sound like mere men. I'm not supposed to look like mere men. I'm not supposed to walk, talk, act like mere men. I'm supposed to talk like a son of God. I'm supposed to act like a son of God. I'm supposed to walk in that way so that I'm recognizable. So that when people describe me, not necessarily hairy and wearing a leather belt, they say, there walks a man of God. Not there walks a carnal, uh, you know, Christian stamped person. I don't want that. We want to be holy for he is holy. And that's what he says here. Don't be double-minded. And he has been. This king has been double-minded. Understands that God has the truth and will speak to him through Elijah and through his word. And yet goes to Beelzebub for answers. So, verse 17, this is what we close with. So, Ahazai died according to the word of the Lord, because Elijah had spoken. Because he had no son, Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahazai, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Now, next week in chapter two, when we get there, I was going to try to cover it today, but we just, I don't think I could do it and give it justice, uh, give it the time it deserves. We're going to be seeing Elijah and Elisha walking together and the prophecy about Elijah is about ready to be removed. He's about ready to be taken away and Elisha having to deal with that. And then seeing Elijah taken away and having to truly have that responsibility fall on his shoulders. And it's a great chapter. So I encourage you to read ahead for next Sunday. Um, read that chapter. I think we'll just do chapter two. Let's, we'll do two and three. So plan on that next week. Second Kings chapter two and three. We'll continue our march through. We'll try to do both of them. Um, and that's where we'll be. May God bless you. We thank you so much for being able to uh, watch and then also to comment with each other and talk with each other. If you have any prayer requests, uh, please leave them in the comments or you can do it privately uh, online at ccmaryville.com and we will answer those prayers and be praying with you since we can't do it in person. Normally, we'd invite you to come up and we pray with you um, and, and maybe this will even get more prayers out there. Uh, you can let us know publicly so many people can pray or you can reach us privately through that ccmaryville.com um, and I better say that slower, C-C- 
maryville.com and put your prayer requests there and that'll come directly to me and I'll be praying for you. Okay. So please use that tool. Um, We're going to leave this live for the next uh, 10 minutes here and allow you guys to go ahead and continue to talk with each other and encourage one another, send scriptures to each other via that commenting portion on this. uh, And we just pray that you're blessed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for uh, you intervening. You didn't have to. You could have let him gone to Beelzebub. You could have led to, let him go to the God of Ekron and, and get his answer from there and, and let him die in ignorance. But you didn't want that. You wanted him to die in the truth, to, for him to know who the true and living God was, giving him an opportunity to repent, giving an opportunity to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be going to this other God. I wasn't sure you were still speaking to me. But since you are, would you tell me the truth about myself? Lord, we thank you that you are the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, infinite chances for us, that you're always there. You're very near. And if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so this morning we've done that. We've gotten into your word. We've prayed together. We've sang together. We've worshiped you in spirit and truth. We pray that your word will be planted in our hearts, that it would bear much fruit, that you'd answer our prayers, not according to our will, but according to your will. I don't want this quarantine lifted any day sooner than you want it lifted. I don't want this to end any time before you want it to end, God. And I pray that we would learn everything we need to learn during this season, God. None of us want to go around this mountain again. None of us want to have to go through this class again. So God, help us to be in prayer, to seek what your, seek your face and to seek what your will is for us, to change us, to transform us, to make us more like your son, Jesus, and help us to wholly commit to that, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.